Good morning. Great to see all of you here this morning. And uh, if you have your Bibles with you, uh, I would invite you to turn to the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs, otherwise, it'll go up on the screen behind me, I'm assuming. And, uh, but we're going to start uh, with Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Okay, is that up there right now? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Let's stand for the reading of God's word, shall we, this morning? Now, I requested the King James because that's what I memorized this in. I'm assuming that's what it's in. If not, we'll just kind of stumble our way through it. But uh, let's start beginning right now. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Father God, wow. <laughs> what an incredible promise. And you invented that promise. You inspired that promise. What an awesome blessing to have that in our hip pocket when we face decisions and dilemmas. And we don't know what to do or where to go or how to get there, and... We can pull this into our memory bank or off the scriptures as we read anytime we want. Bless us as we look at this and other scriptures that have to do with the same theme. Thank you for bringing these wonderful people here today. Thank you for those that are at home and are listening somewhere, someplace. They're with us too in spirit. We are one in the, in the body of Christ and regardless of our location. Thank you for that great promise and bless us in our time together this morning, Lord, for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> well, the title of the message this morning is Making Wise Decisions. Making Wise Decisions. And in parenthesis after that is for ourselves and for our church. Not just individually, but together as a church family, we make decisions all the time. In fact, we have a very important decision coming up here in the foreseeable future about who is going to be Mr. Wright, our new pastor. We don't know who it is yet. He might not know it's going to be him, but we have important decisions to make, both individually and corporately. I think I can say with certainty, I don't know if I'll say absolute certainty, but I think I'd be safe even in saying that, that almost everybody here today in this worship area is in the throes of making some kind of decision. And if you aren't, you will be very shortly, because that's the way life is. We all face decisions, decisions of many kinds. Um, I don't think anybody here would deny that life is full of all kinds of decisions. Inconsequential ones, medium-sized ones, and large ones. And sometimes crisis-oriented decisions. From almost beginning, the beginning of our lives until the end, we have a little neighbor girl. She's seven years old, and she was talking to me the other day, and she was in the throes of a decision. Now, for you and I, that would be pretty inconsequential, what she was wrestling over. But to her, it was huge. It starts early, and it goes all, all the way almost to our home going to be with Jesus. We face decisions all of the time. Dr. Charles Stanley put it this way. Every day, we make decisions that affect our present and future circumstances. Many of them don't matter that much. What kind of breakfast cereal we, we choose. Sugar-frosted flakes would be my choice, basically, but... Uh, um, what we're going to have for dinner, chicken or hamburger, what kind of brand of socks we buy. Those are, we're not talking about those kinds of decisions, okay? But a lot of decisions are crucial. They're important. They affect us. I'm going to continue on with what Dr. Stanley says. They determine the course that our life takes, these kinds of decisions, okay? And the reason for this is that every time you choose one alternative, you cut off, cut off yourself from others, Think about it. The word decision comes from the Latin roots de, which means from and K, 
cadere, which means to cut, to cut from. Important decisions are like that. When we marry, we decide for one person and cut ourselves off from others. When we accept one job, we cut ourselves off from other jobs. When we make a big purchase, we cut ourselves off from other purchases. When we attend one college, we cut ourselves off from attending another college. The neighborhood we decide to live in cuts us off from living in any other neighborhood. And I would add to Dr. Stanley's words, the same is true for choosing a pastor for your church. Okay? Cuts us off from having other pastors be the pastor of our church. Now these are just some examples of the decisions that we make that affect our lives and others who are close to us. And we don't want to be reckless in our decision making because, listen, I think this is a neat insight, because our deci each decision becomes a permanent record of our past and significantly affects our future. Therefore, finding the will and wisdom of God for our decisions is crucial. Amen, would you agree with me on that? Now, there are some things we don't have to worry about deciding. God's moral will. We don't have to decide what God's moral will is. Well, in the Old Testament, it gives us the Ten Commandments. It's pretty clear what his will is, right? Don't steal, don't murder, honor your father and mother. Don't take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. His will is pretty clear. Okay. New Testament's the same way. There are scads of things in God's moral will that we don't have to... Uh, make a decision about. I mean, it's, it's there. I'm just going to read one to you. There's probably hundreds. Ephesians 5, 1 through 4 says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people, nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking. It's right there. Okay, so we, we don't have to really worry about discovering God's moral will for us if we get into the scriptures. But that's not what we're going to talk, what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the fact that God has a personal will for our lives and for Cedar Home Baptist Church. God has a personal will for our lives. Who we marry, our finances, our friendships, our occupations, major purchases that we make, family and relationship decisions, whether it's about our kids or our spouse or, or our parents, okay? And again, the new pastor that we're going to call eventually. These are life's important decisions. And I want to just say this off the top before we get into how to discover God's wisdom and will for our life. Listen real close here. God does not want his personal life, our personal life decisions to remain undiscovered, okay? Now sometimes we think it's how we feel, but it's not true. That's a lie from the pit of hell. God does not want our personal decisions, those that affect us, those that we have to make, undiscovered discovered. He wants his will for our life in every area, every aspect of our existence because he loves us. I was just reading that this morning, Deuteronomy 23, 5, because the Lord your God loves you. He loves us and he's interested in accomplishing his will for our lives and not only because he loves us, because it glorifies him when we make good decisions. Okay, and, and I want to just put this out there as, as, a, as, a, as a, a statement, and that's this. God has a plan and a purpose for whatever you're facing right now. It did not take him by surprise what you're going through right now, and he wants you to make healthy, wise, productive decisions in regard to what you're facing in your unique life, okay? And, and, and when we talk about um, getting wisdom and direction for our decisions, we're talking about um, in times of crisis or in the big picture, 
It doesn't matter. God wants us to have his will and his wisdom for our decisions, okay? He wants us to make the correct decisions. God's not up there in heaven with his arms folded across his chest going, okay, let's just see what they decide this time. And then when we make a misstep or do it wrong, he's, I got you now. I thought you'd mess up. That's not God. He's not sitting up there doing it. And he's not hiding behind trees trying to fake us out when we try to make the right decision. Okay, he has a will and he wants to reveal it. So that's what we're going to talk about today under this title, Making Wise Decisions for Ourselves and for Our Church. And by the way, you don't know what you're going to be facing the rest of your life. You say, well, everything's kind of in hand right now and, and I'm a pretty smart person and this, that, and the other thing. You don't know what's coming up. You don't know what's going to happen between now and and when we leave here this morning, let alone, you know, a week or a month or a year. So you're going to want to kind of tuck these things away, either make some notations or, or up here and be ready, okay? So what are the steps? What are the steps we need to, talk, to take to find God's wisdom and will for our decisions? Personally, and just as importantly for our church as a, as a, a family, okay, Number one, when we head into the decision-making process, we must fully trust God in our decision-making process. We must determine right from the get-go that we're going to trust God, and we're going to drive that stake into the ground, and we're not going to budge. That's what has to do with the verses that we read just a moment ago. Trust in who? The Lord, with all your what? Your innermost being. Don't lean on your own what? In all your what? Acknowledge him. Ways. And he will do what? That's why trust is so important. We have to trust. I think one of the biggest barriers to finding God's will and wisdom for our decisions is having our minds already made up before we go to God. You ever do that? I have. Your mind's already made up before you go to him. But you're just going to get his stamp of approval on your plans. Okay? By the way, that doesn't work very well. Okay? I can tell you that from experience. Um, this isn't the way God operates. When we do that, we're practicing what someone called self-willfulness. Self-willfulness. It's the opposite of submission to God and to trusting God. Some Christians subscribe to the theory that says it's easier to ask for, for forgiveness than it is for permission. You ever heard that phrase? Okay. I'll tell you what, that's a sure recipe for disaster and regret and exhaustion. Okay, It's not the way God wants us as Christians to approach the decision-making process. You think about it. There's Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's the second person of the Trinity. He is co-equal and co-eternal with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. He never had a beginning. He'll never have an ending. And you know what he does in the Garden of Gethsemane? He doesn't trust himself. He trusts the Father. And he says, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Now, the obvious conclusion is if Jesus did that, how much more should we? Okay, so before you start moving through the steps of discovering God's will and wisdom for your decisions, whether you're facing them right now or the ones you will face in the future, trust God. Just, just, just make it a non-negotiable. I am going to trust God with all my heart. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. In all my ways, I'm going to acknowledge him. And guess what? The promise swoops in, and he will direct your paths. Okay? Number two. The second step that we need to take to find God's will and wisdom for our decisions is to take the time to search God's word. Search it. Read it. Meditate on it. Digest it. Search God's word. Because in the word of God, you will get unbelievable direction and wisdom for those decisions that, that seem very threatening. 
And would you agree with me, yes or no, that some decisions that we have to make seem very threatening? That's the way I feel. I feel threatened. That I'm going to make a misstep or not get it right. We don't have to feel that way because God gave us his word to guide us through that process. I love Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. The Bible tells us that the word of God performs many, many functions. Uh, second, I'm just going off of memory. 2 Timothy 3.16. For all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction. Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is living, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing asunder of our soul which is our mind, our emotions, and our will, and our spirit, our God capacity, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word is God's sword. It's his light to give us direction and safety. And the Holy Spirit supernaturally uses the word of God to shed light on our path, stopping us where we need to be stopped, saying go ahead when we need to go ahead. You may think, well, I already read the Bible once, you know. It doesn't matter if you've read the Bible 999 times. You'll read that verse for the thousandth time, and God will give you something new. It'll surprise you. Okay? So don't ever think you know the Bible. You don't. We haven't even scratched the surface. And he used it in unique and special ways to give us guidance. How many people here, was it last week or the week before where we lost power because of the windstorm? How many people lost power? Lots. We did too and, uh, on the island. And, um, you know, I forget how dark it gets without power. I mean, because you got no point of reference. Your clock radio's gone. Your Holy Spirit night light's gone, you know. Uh, you can't look out a window at the neighbor's light for guidance because their light's gone too. So I'm lying in bed, the power's out, and I know what I need to get, right? A flashlight. And we keep our flashlights in two places. One's in the utility room, the laundry room, up on a high shelf, forget that. Because it's with all the glass vases, right? <laughs> I'm not going there in the dark. I'll end up going to the emergency room after that. But I know that we have a flashlight in our junk drawer. How many people have a junk drawer? Everybody has a junk drawer. You know what you put in your junk drawer? Junk. You have the, the flashlight, the glue bottle, the rubber bands, that extra wrench and pliers and screwdriver, whatever. And that's where we kept one of our flashlights. So I'm feeling along the wall, right? I mean, I'd, I've lived here seven years in that house, and I'm, I like... I can't see my hand, you know, the power's gone. Finally get to the drawer, rummaging through, my hand closes around the flashlight. And then it all changed. Once I turned the flashlight on, I could see where I was going. That's what the Word of God does in darkness, in confusion. It, it turns the light on so we can see the direction God's, God wants us to take. Without the Bible, we can't understand who God is what his will is and how he works in our lives, things float. They don't move forward. They're unclear. We can't see forward. Okay? You know, if you're not active in God's word, you're not going to know God's will. And you're not going to get God's wisdom. Okay? The problem with many Christians is, dare I, dare I say it in church? I've got my toothbrush and suitcase right outside the door, by the way, to get a quick getaway if I offend anybody. But uh, the problem with many Christians is they just don't read their Bibles or they read them superficially. They want instant solutions instead of building up a knowledge of God and a relationship with him through the word. We want God to clear up our struggles, no doubt about that. We want him to give us wisdom. We want his guidance. We want his direction. But we don't want to take the time and effort to know his will through his word. And here's the deal. God cares about us. 
And he doesn't want us to get fooled by our feelings. We get fooled by our feelings, our emotions. Okay? They are not always an accurate barometer of, of decision-making. But the word is. Feelings can be deceptive. The word will never deceive us. And he's pro provided principles in his word to act as our guide through the minefields of life and, and, and through the obstacle courses of life. Now, I'm just th throw this out as a question. Do you spend time with God in his word every day that you can? If you don't, and you're not in some kind of systematic study when you're filling your mind with those principles, you're going to have a difficult time making the right decisions. Wisdom-filled decisions, especially in times of crisis. Okay? Where you, you don't have time to build up a reserve um, of God's word. Now, the word of God might not speak ver verbatim to us. In other words, let's say you're, you're, you're shopping for a new car. And uh, you're not going to open your Bible to a book, and it's not going to say, I'll just say, I always say John or Jane Doe, so I keep it, you know, anonymous. But it's not going to say, John, buy a blue Honda Civic. You're not going to get that, I guarantee you. Rarely does God speak verbatim to our particular situation in exact words. But here's what the Word of God does. Here it is. Just grab this. This is really good. It sensitizes us to God who wants to speak clearly to us. The Bible sensitizes us to God and to his direction. And another thing, this is, this is really, really exciting to me personally. It really is. Never forget this. When it comes to your decisions... God has an opinion. Now you think about that. You, you, you chew on it. You, you cogitate on that. When we come to God, now again, not breakfast cereal, chicken or hamburger for dinner or the type of socks you buy, but he has an opinion on the small, medium, and large decisions that we bring to him that are important to us. He has an opinion and he doesn't want to keep that opinion to himself. But he wants us to use the word to discover it. So get in the word. Trust him. Get into the word. And then to get wisdom and guidance for our decisions and for God's will, we've got to exercise the practice of prayer. And the reason I use the word exercise in that, because it's an exercise. It's not easy to pray. In fact, I, I don't know that it's ever been harder to pray than the world we live in right now. There's so many distractions. I remember saying that once, maybe 15, 20 years ago. I didn't know what was coming. There's so many things to grab our attention, technically and other things. But we have to pray in order to discover God's will for our decision, God's wisdom for our decisions. And inseparably linked with the word is prayer. They go hand in hand. Prayer is important. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Got to ask. That's called prayer. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. If we ask within the will of God, we have it. And since God wants us to know his will for our personal and church decisions, he'll make it known in his timing and in response to our prayer. What is prayer anyway? Especially related to making wise decisions. Prayer is a confession of dependence. And God loves a dependent Christian. Okay? Prayer is a confession of dependence. He, he wants us to pray to him and pray in detail and lay it all out to God. And everything with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, the scriptures tell us. Okay? Not drive-through prayer, but sit down and give it to him in every detail prayer. 
You know, one of the drags about the COVID deal, and I don't know where you fall on it or not, and right now that's not an issue with me, but where it's, I, one of the things I don't like about it is you can't go to a restaurant and sit down anymore. Because that's one of Deb's and my favorite thing to do. Now and again, in order for us to talk, we have to get in our car and drive so there's no distractions. And that's when we have our best talks. But we like to go out to eat. But we, just, we go in, we sit down, waitress will come over. Are you ready to order? No. Give us a little more time. Not just to figure out what I'm going to eat, but I just want more time. <laughs> and we sit there and we talk and we eat and we talk and we eat and we talk and then we sit there after we eat and talk. And it's really fun. Now you got to go through a drive-thru window. How fun is that? Or you got to do what they call delivery takeout. By the time you get home, you don't want to talk. You just want to shove it down and get full, right? God doesn't want drive-through prayers. He doesn't want takeout prayers. He wants go in, sit down, and offer quality, honest, transparent, detailed prayer. He so responds to that. And when you and I are facing really anywhere from somewhat minor to cataclysmic decision-making issues, don't ever think that you're wasting your time by taking a long time to pray. Oh, we, we got to get things done. What it, was it Martin Luther who said, I have a really busy day today. I better spend some extra time in prayer. I love, I love that. Prayer humbles us before God. It declares our dependence on God. It's the opposite of relying on ourselves. It keeps us from hurrying and making bad decisions. That's what prayer does. God uses prayer to say hurry up or slow down. God uses prayer to tell us when it's safe to move forward or, or to, to halt the process. And it gives, prayer gives God the permission, if you will, to halt the process anytime he wants to. It's submitting ourselves to God. We gotta pray. Take the time to pray. Prayer time is not wasted time. Prayer is the most productive thing you and I can do. Let's go to a, a fourth one here. Um, a fourth step that we need to take to find God's will and wisdom for our decisions is to rely on the revealing work of the Holy Spirit. And, and that's where you get the word and fill yourself up with it. You get prayer and you fill yourself up with Then the Holy Spirit has a clean channel to talk to us, to give us those stirrings, those uh, impressions, right? So we know what it is that we need to do. 1 Corinthians 2.12 says... We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. What does the Holy Spirit give us? Understanding what we ought to do personally as a church. You're never going to waste your time reading the word or trusting God, reading the word, praying, and then just opening up yourself to the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our guide, and he's always dependable now how do I know it's of the Holy Spirit when it comes to making a wise decision personally or corporately the Holy Spirit never contradicts the Word of God ever I've heard people say that well I prayed and I I just uh, I uh, I just got this this feeling and I went forward and they crash and they burn. And I was, I've listened to them and now what I've thought in my mind is that's, that's not, that decision was not, that impression was not uh, in line with what the Holy Spirit would say. No wonder you crashed and burned. The Holy Spirit never contradicts God's word. Okay? Isn't it interesting, you guys, that what, who, what Jesus called the Holy Spirit. What, what name 
did he, or, or function, I should say, did he attribute to the Holy Spirit? Just say it out loud. Who said that, counselor? Get free meal at the next church potluck. Okay. They're already free. So. Um, called the Holy Spirit the counselor. Isn't that interesting? We forget that, and I'm not saying it's wrong to go see a counselor, but we have the eternal, everlasting, infinite counselor in our heart. And he wants to counsel us. And he'll use the word of God. And sometimes we're reading the word of God and we feel this impression, this stirring, this conviction. It's God speaking to us through the Holy Spirit. Okay? We don't know what to do. We're reading the word. We're praying. And then, and I can't explain it. I wish I could. But the Holy Spirit will speak. I could give you a, a number of examples from my own life. I just knew. And by the way, Yes, it's consistent with the Word of God, but when you, you know when the Holy Spirit's talking. Number one, when that's consistent with the Word of God. But also, there'll be a divine, hear me now, sense of rightness when the Holy Spirit talks. And there'll be a divine peace that you can't manufacture. And don't ask me how, how I, I can explain that. It's kind of like when... I knew I was supposed to marry Debbie. I just knew. I just knew. People used to say when I was single, well, you'll know. And I said, what? I knew. <laughs> it's kind of like that. You just can't put it into words. You just know it's right. Okay? Now let's go on to the fifth step here. And it's, it's important for you and me, when we get to this point, to say, Holy Spirit, I surrender to you. But let's go on to the next one because we've got a few more to go. Uh, this one I don't want to skip, by the way. I don't want to do this one. But I'm going to do it. The fifth step here that we need to take to find God's will and wisdom for our decisions is to be willing to wait. And you know what I'm going to say next, don't you? If you can't say amen, say ouch. Right? Because waiting is tough. Waiting is tough. I mean, what's happened when you've prayed about a decision that you, that you know you have to make? And it feels like it's coming soon. God, where are you? You've prayed about a decision. You've searched God's word. You've sought, you've, you've, you've sought godly counsel and nothing. I call it vanilla pudding. I know that sounds weird. I think in weird ways, but it's just like praying to a wall of vanilla pudding. There's nothing there. God, where are you? You know, God's not ignoring us when he doesn't answer prayer. When he doesn't give us wisdom for our decisions in the time that we want it. He created us. He cares about us. Cast all your cares on him for he cares for you. He's our shepherd. But in waiting, God wants to use that time in our lives to develop a deeper relationship and a deeper trust level with him than we had before. Okay? It's not fun. I'm going to admit, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. I don't like to wait. How many people here love to wait? No, I didn't think so. But he wants to develop a deeper relationship, a deeper trust level. And I... This is not, I don't know if it's this is original with me or not, probably not. God's delays are not without design. He's going to reveal the details. He's going to tell you what the wisest choice is. But not until he has caused us to exercise our faith muscle until it's gotten stronger than it was before. Psalm 27, 14, David wrote, Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. Wait for the Lord. Interesting how strength's in the middle of that. Wait, you're going to get stronger. All right? Psalm 37, 7, he said, Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him. The implication is he's going to get there when we've gotten to the next level where he wants us to be. And if God's direction hasn't come yet, then just say, Lord, help me just to focus on you. This is tough. I just want to run ahead. 
Help me focus on you. Just be my guide when you're ready. See how that causes us to grow, you guys? I mean, we won't grow half as much if we're not made to wait, right? Painful amen on that. I mean, maybe you're really in a frustrating situation right now. And everything inside of you wants to change that frustrating situation. And you want to take charge, and you want to make it work, and you want to put the pieces together. But God says, you wait until you get my direction. Because I'm working in the background, completing things that need to be accomplished in our lives and in the life of our whole church to develop our faith muscle. Okay? To wait means to press the pause button on our will. All right? And then trust God that his timing is perfect. When he's done doing in us personally and in our church what he wants to do. And the question is, are you willing to wait? And listen. It may not be the timing that you or I want, but are we willing to wait? It's tough. We need help. Personally and for our church family. It's not easy. I will tell you this before I go on to our next point. My biggest mistakes as a pastor, now hear me, I believe in transparency. My biggest mistakes as a pastor, as a parent, as a husband, as a Christian, came when I acted instead of waited on God's will and timing. My biggest mistakes. So we need to wait. If we're going to make the wisest, most competent, most constructive, most fruitful decision, you've got to wait. Number six. There are nine in case you're counting. You and I need to exercise faith that God will provide an answer. We need to exercise faith. Wow. You think waiting's hard. Faith is hard. For me it is anyway. It's hard. But James 5, 1, 5 through 8 says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him or her. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. And while we're waiting for God's direction for our decisions, he wants us to exercise faith. 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 Again, to strengthen our faith muscle, as I said before. Sometimes we ask, and, and before that request is even for wisdom is out of our mouths, we're doubting it. And, I mean, this is one of those stick in the eye scriptures but Hebrews eleven six says and without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him we need faith now how much faith not that much you really don't what did Jesus say if you have faith the size of a grain of a mustard seed you can say to this mountain you go from here to there and nothing will be impossible for you. Now what does that mean? If God gives us a promise, and we exercise a mustard seed of faith in an infinite God, see, it's not the size of our faith, it's the size of the God we're putting our faith in. So if it, it could be a mustard seed, but if we trust the God who has given that promise, it'll happen. I love that. So we need to exercise faith that God's going to answer us. And sometimes, guys, when you're in the desert and you've made several calls to God and you get the answer, you're saying, God isn't here right now. If you leave a message, he'll get back to you. Sometimes doubt just clouds our brain and our heart. Just hang on to that mustard seed. And then number seven, if we're going to find God's will, wisdom and will for our decision, 
we need to, and this is with God's help, not on our own elbow grease, we need to remove any hindrances that are in the way of God answering our, our prayers for wisdom, for our decisions. Sins. Sins of omission, things that we haven't done that God's been telling us to do, asking us to do, telling us to do, convicting us to do, that's a sin of omission. We just, we just uh, haven't done what he's told us to do, or sins of commission. We're doing things that he's saying, you need to stop. Because your disobedience is clogging the pipes. So I can't get my answer to you. I mean, uh, Psalm 66, 18. If I regard, in other words, on purpose, keep iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not have listened or the Lord will not hear me. John 14, 21 says, Jesus said, whoever has my commands and obeys them. He is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him, and here it is, show myself to him. That's cool. But God's only gonna, to the degree, let me put it this way, to the degree that we develop a lifestyle in agreement with his moral and spiritual will, that's the degree that we're going to get leading in the decisions that we're faced with. That's the degree that we're going to understand God's will and to get the wisdom that we need to make a successful decision. And if you're consistently disobedient or me, it's going to be, it's going to be hard, tough sledding. It really will. Sin keeps us from our destination. And God's not going to, he's not going to overburden us. I mean, we'll go through our whole lives discovering new things that God wants us to obey him in. But there'll be certain ones at the certain place we are at at the time. He says, you got to deal with this to get my wisdom. Is that, you following me on that? Because if it was all dumped on us at once, I think we'd just give up. Are you harboring? A habitual sin or attitude or words or thoughts or actions that you know God hates and is talking to you about? The, 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 the answer is repent. Turn away from those and turn to God and with his help, ask God to not only cleanse your heart but change your heart. And as that process kicks in, you'll see more and more wisdom flood your mind about the decisions that you're going to face. Number eight, uh, if we're going to uh, find God's will and wisdom for our decisions, we have to allow him to let the circumstances fall into place. Fall into place. I call them chess pieces. God moves the chess pieces of our life around until they're in the right position for us to move forward and get the victory. Okay? That's true personally, and it's true as a church especially in regard to the pastoral search. God will use circumstances, not just in our life, but in the person that we're looking for, until it's lined up and ready to go. You with me? Say amen. Okay, because this is a big deal. It's a real big deal. But it's also true personally. Circumstances. God works through circumstances. He guides through circumstances. He leads through circumstances. He opens and closes doors through circumstances. And, 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 and I, I like to call it, for me personally, this works, the principle of accumulation. What do I mean by that? Because it's kind of, it, it, it works together with circumstances. Okay, the principle of accumulation is the continual movements, additions, and leadings that God gives us that all pile up into a final decision. You with me on that? Um, Because rarely will God just go fumph. That's a Greek word, fumph. In the Greek, it's fumphomai, okay? Not really, I made it up. Rarely does it happen that way. Debbie and I just went through a big decision. We've been praying about it and thinking about it and no foomps. But I read it this morning because we've been writing down the, um, 
the additions and the leadings and the circumstances and the movements that he's given us. I didn't tell you this. I didn't have a chance to tell you this morning, but I, re- I counted them up this morning on that pad that we wrote them on. Twelve of them. All different kinds of ways. God is so creative. I never could have guessed that he would do that. But he did. And we made the right decision, didn't we? It's kind of like Dr. Adrian Rogers, a great preacher, he put it like this. He was a southern boy, preached in Atlanta. And he says, finding God's will in our circumstances is like getting a, a big iron bar, driving into the ground on one side of the river, tying a, looping a wire and then stringing that across the river about two or three inches above and then driving another stake on the other side and wrapping that wire around. And you don't see anything at first, but then a little piece of grass catches on it. And then a little later as the river's flowing down, you catch, there's a twig. And then a little later there's a you know, branch or a, or a piece of hay. Or, and all of a sudden now, after a period of time, it all adds up and you can see it. That's what he does with us. You got to have your, what they used to call it, thinking cap on. Got to have your antenna up to see these things. So you'll miss them, but they're there. You got to practice the principle of accumulation. And then finally, yes, finally, uh, you gotta, if you want wisdom for your decisions, you got to seek out God. You and I need to seek out godly counsel. Proverbs 15.22 says, There is wisdom in the presence of many counselors. Now, there's a reason why I put this last. And I'll tell you why. Because all too often, the first, people, the first thing we do is run to people instead of God. We're on the phone with someone asking advice before we've even consulted God. We've pushed the panic button and we're going to talk to a in body flesh person wrong go to God first now go to people but go later on down the line I can't tell you how many times I was pastoring and someone would come to me and they'd say and they had a real dilemma going on well all my friends at the office tell me to do this and I said could I could I have the numbers of those people because I'm going to kill them yeah I said, don't listen to that. Go to God first. And then if you find a godly person, a spiritual person, okay. Someone that you really trust spiritually. I talk to those kinds of people all the time. They don't even know I'm talking to them. And some of them have already gone to be with the Lord. You say, what? (laughs) Well, I think to myself, and I'll use John and Jane Doe, what would John or Jane do in this situation? You ever do that? And I have gotten more counsel from people without even talking to them than I have talking to them. Now, there's a few people I'll call, but this is one of the most helpful things I've ever done. Just think about what somebody I really respect would do. Somebody I can really trust. Somebody who has a track record of really, really get, has it together spiritually. I've gotten so much good advice from people who don't even know they've given me advice. Some of them attended here. And some of them still are here. And you don't even know I'm doing this. But get godly counsel. Okay. If you want God's will for a decision in your life, and you will if you don't now. I don't care if you're six years old, seven years old like my little neighbor girl or... 97. You'll all, in between, have many decisions to make. Then start by praying this simple prayer. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. What we're going to do now as we close, we're going to break the crust. And go back into what the Bible tells us to do when getting wisdom for ourselves and for our church. So if you feel like praying this prayer, do that. It's give you another start. Let's pray together. Just pray in your heart to the Lord. God, In your heart, you are the Lord of my life. Every detail of it. Whatever you want for me, I want. Whether you've planned, whatever you have planned, 
I want to experience. Please protect me from myself. Just lead me where you want me to go to do what you want me to do. I give you control of my decisions and of my situation. Lead me, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your leading. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, you're on your way for more wisdom than you've ever thought possible for your decisions. And we as a church are going to experience the blessing of having God's wisdom for our future. I just have to say this. I know I tend to go on, but this is very important to me anyway. Let's say going forward, you do wait for his timing and search his word and stay in prayer, yielding to the Holy Spirit. You seek godly counsel, believe in faith, remove hindrances. That's all fine and good. That's moving forward. But what about the past decisions? Now it's really quiet in here. Maybe you made, as a Christian, you made some bad decisions. You say, you know, Mitch, it looks so right, but it turned out so wrong. I jumped the gun. I admitted I disobeyed. I didn't wait on God's timing. I've got good news for you this morning. God loves restoring and repairing our bad decisions. And I'm living proof. He, there'll be a scar, but he'll heal the wound. He'll repair, he'll restore, but what's he asking from us? Humility, confession, dependence, honesty, and transparency. And he'll start, he'll heal the consequences of bad decisions more than you can ever possibly know. What does Joel 2.25 says? The Lord restores the years that the locusts have eaten. One of my favorite verses. So have hope if you blew it. And then finally, if you're not a Christian, here or somewhere online, the first decision you need to make is to put your complete trust in the death of Jesus Christ God's son on the cross as the payment for your sin. And when you do that, he comes to live inside of you and promises to provide the clear guidance for every decision that you will ever make. Sound like a good deal? Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for caring about us so much that you're willing to actually speak to us in the crisis and in the day-to-day decisions and for direction and blessing for our wonderful, wonderful church. Thank you, Father, for your kindness and your care for us. Bless our week for your glory, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. Go out into that nice, cold, rainy weather. And think about July or something like that. I don't know.